Amen. Good morning, Lake Church. Let's turn in our Bibles to Isaiah 55 as I began to pray about the direction of the Lord for this. The Lord just wanted me to talk to you about some important issues and important aspects of our Christian life. You know, it's one thing for us to say that we're overcomers. It's another thing for us to operate in being an overcomer and overcoming certain situations and circumstances that we find ourselves embroiled in in our daily life. Amen? And so this is a reminder of what you have on the inside of you. You know, we have to remind ourselves that God has placed within us everything we need to overcome in this life. God has placed within us everything we need in order to overcome in this life. Amen. So we're going to take, take our time and, and allow the Holy Spirit to move. I don't have a whole lot. Uh, and we'll just see what the Holy Spirit does with what we're about to share. Amen. So Isaiah 55 and verse number 1. Now, you have to understand the context of this verse. The context of this verse comes right after Isaiah 53. And Isaiah 53 is really the gospel according to Isaiah. It, it basically shares that Jesus took our place. He took our sickness. He took our disease. Amen. And he took our iniquity. I mean, he took our iniquity, which is self-will, just exactly what Jesse was talking about. He took that, the, the sins of self-will, of wanting to live independent of God. And so he took that. He took the iniquity of us all. He took our punishment. He took our place. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by being our substitute. Amen? Thank God Jesus is my substitute. Because I, co I couldn't stand before the Lord on my own. I have no basis to stand before the Lord. I have nothing to barter with. I have nothing to offer him. I have nothing to give him. I have to rely on his gift his gift of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so he begins to talk about, you know, Jesus' sacrificial um, giving of his life. And then he begins to talk about what's going to happen afterwards. And he begins to show that the disposition of God begins to, to, begins to change, not in the sense that God's character has changed, just God, you know, that man has shifted into a new place in which the divine favor of God can now be fully realized in man. Amen? Because the law was, show, was given to show us that we needed a Savior, that we couldn't save ourselves, that we couldn't help ourselves, that we were utterly helpless before a holy God. So God brought a sacrifice, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he became unrighteous so that he could give us his righteousness. Amen? And so Isaiah 54 talks about that uh, no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise up against you, you shall condemn. For this is the heritage of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith God. Amen. Isn't that good? Hallelujah. I don't have to stand in my own righteousness, man. I don't, I, you know, guess what? I was never good enough. I never could become good enough. Man, what rest that should bring to your life. What, 
what solace that should bring, what comfort that should bring, is that we are not able to be and to do what we need to do and be to be accepted by God, that we just need to accept by faith and embrace the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when that happens, we're translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his son. We become new creations. Hallelujah, the old has passed away. And behold, everything becomes brand new. And everything's of God who has reconciled us to himself. God reconciled us to himself. Who did the reconciling? God did the reconciling. How many remember Jacob's ladder? Jacob's ladder came down from heaven. It wasn't built up from earth. There's a lot of people trying to build a ladder up to God. Listen, you're not called to build a ladder up to God. You need to receive the ladder that came down. Jesus said this in the second chapter of the Gospel of John. He said, know this, that you are going to see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. He said, I'm the ladder, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. But notice what he says here after this in the 55th chapter in verse number one. He still beseeches humanity. After all that he's done, God has to practically, I'm not going to say he's going to beg, but you're going, he's pleading with humanity. Isn't that amazing? He gave everything that he had, the best in heaven, sacrificed his son on our behalf, and he still has to say, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He has to tell us. Why? Because we have to reconcile ourselves to God. See, he's right. as far as God's side of it, he's reconciled us. Amen? I'm, I'm talking 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says he has reconciled us. But then the apostle Paul goes on and says, be ye reconciled to God. See, we have to reconcile ourselves to the reconciliation of God. Amen. Amen. And so here he says, he says, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Okay. So he's beseeching and pleading with people to come to the waters. Listen, our world and humanity is thirsty. And it's not physical water that we need. It's not physical food that we need. He is talking about the spirit. And he's saying, come and partake of these waters. Come to the waters. Amen. We see it happening throughout our generation. We see people that are thirsty. They're looking for sources that cannot fill them or satisfy them. They're doing it through worldly accomplishments, materialism, false religions, false ideas, false hopes, all kinds of ideologies, all kinds of identities. And all they need to admit is that they're thirsty. Come on now. 
Hello. I remember my kids, they had an aversion to water. How many realize your kids, you know, they wanted to drink pop or something like that? Most kids, they like to drink the sweet stuff. So if you just had water, they would just be rebellious and not want to drink it. And you say, I know you're thirsty. You need a drink of water. (laughs) Mouth like cotton. Lips are puffing out. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it looks like, but, but that's where humanity is. God says, come and drink. And we're sitting there going. I'm not thirsty. I'm not thirsty. I'm not thirsty. And even some believers are in that position in which the Lord says, come and drink. And they say, mm, no, I'm not there yet, Lord. I'm not there yet. No, no, can't do it. And they're dry and their lips are, you know, getting all crusty and there's white stuff coming out, you know, coming out of the side of their mouth. And they're saying, well, I'm okay. I'm all right. I'll be fine. I'll be all right. No, I don't believe that way. No, I don't believe that. I don't believe that way. Come on now. Speaking the truth in love. Hello. And then he says here, and he who has no money. See, you can't buy this with money. There's, no, no, there's nothing that you can do to buy this. He says, just come. See, when, when, when I make a decision to obey the Lord, it's an act of my will. It means that I'm, I'm, I'm using my will to be obedient to what he said. And when someone says, come on, come on over here. No, no, I'm all right. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good where I'm at. And there's some people you can't help unless they feel like they can pay you back. And so if they don't feel like they can pay you back, they don't want it at all. There are people that will do without because their pride and their ego will keep them from coming and drinking. Amen. And that's for a lot of things. Amen. And then then he says, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. There's an exchange. See, notice he says the word buy. He still uses the word buy there. What's the exchange? The exchange is your ego. The exchange is your will. The exchange is that you are no longer standing in your own decision, but you're actually saying, yes, Lord, I agree with you. See, I'm trading myself. Oh, my goodness. Get a hold of that. In order to do what God's asked me to do, there's a trade going on. There's a bartering going on. Because I have to step in willingly into what God has for me. He ain't going to drag me into it. And, you know, we can sit there and be stubborn all day long. He says, come and buy, come and buy. But yet he says there's no money involved. But yet he says, come and buy. Do you understand that? So there is a currency that's being exchanged. And it's the currency of your will. Remember Jesus said, nevertheless, 
Not my will, but your will. That was a divine exchange of currency. That basically says, regardless of how I feel, regardless of what I think, I'm going to obey. I'm going to do what you ask me to do. I'm going to fulfill it. Are you with me today? And he says, come and buy wine and milk without money and without price. That's a type of the spirit and that's a type of the word of God. Amen. It's a type of the spirit. It's a type of the word of God. Water, wine, milk. Amen. Now notice verse number two. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? Bread's a type of the word. And your labor for that which does not satisfy. How many have been there? Amen. Notice what he says. Listen diligently to me and eat what is good. Now notice that. He's telling you how to eat. Read that again. Okay, I will. <laughs> Listen diligently to me and eat that which is good. So how do we eat? We don't eat with our mouth. We eat with our ears. See, listen diligently. I, I, I got to find this. Uh, the Lord just brought it up to me, and I, I got to find this here. I love this scripture. It's found in Job. You know, the book that everybody avoids? Job. Let me find it here. Let me find it. Give me, give me a minute. Talk amongst yourselves. Job 12 and verse number 11. Listen to this. Does not the ear test words as the palate tastes food? So how do we eat? Well, we're eating right now. We're eating right now. But guess what? Your ear has a palate. And your ear tastes and sometimes when our palate has not been properly developed, the word can come in and we go, ah. mm. oh, I don't want that. I don't want that word. Come on now. <clears throat> he said, listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich Food. Amen? I'm here to tell you that there is no problem that is bigger than what God has put inside you if you're a believer here today. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But few understand how to tap into that power. If there is a power on the inside of you that will move mountains that will cause walled cities to fall flat and cause giants to be beheaded in your life, then I want to know how to release that. We just sang there's a lion on the inside of you. Praise God, the lion of the tribe of Judah is on the inside of every believer. Are you with me this morning? 
But how do we let him loose? How do we let him loose? Amen. He says, come and buy water. You don't have a, a, a sickness problem. You don't have a money problem. You've got a thirst problem. Hello. You don't have relational problems. You've got a thirst problem. See, some, some believers have forgotten how to drink. You know, they get saved, they get born again, and they receive of the goodness of God, and it just seems like their entire life is absolutely transformed. And then you see them two years later, and they're struggling. It's because they forgot how to drink, or they're never taught to, never taught to drink. A lot, a lot of believers have never been, have never been taught to drink. Hello? So they walk around with a full well of the life of God. In fact, the Bible says wells of living life on the inside of them, and they don't know how to partake of it. They don't know how to release it. They don't know how to get it out. And so that's my purpose today. Because we're entering in times that you better know how to access the wells of your salvation. You better know how to stand in the midst of the storm and how to be empowered by what God has put on the inside of you. Amen? So let's go over to the fourth chapter of the Gospel of John. And our talking about is water. All you need is the water of God. You need the water of the Spirit. And if you understand that and you understand how to tap into that, it's going to make all the difference in your life. Now, this water is not going to exempt you from problems. It's not going to exempt you from trial. It's not going to exempt you from problems coming your way. But what it does do is it equips you to be able to overcome. The equipment is there to overcome what you're going through. Amen? But we've got to learn to tap into it. And, and uh, you know, some of this is not what we would call intuitive. It's not something that our flesh is intuitively wanting to cooperate with. We have to learn this behavior. We have to learn how to access because it goes against the natural proclivities that we have when test and trial come to us. And, and that's the reason why we, we marvel at James chapter one where it says, count it all joy. When you fall into temptations, tests, and trials. Well, that's not the immediate response that we want. Even myself, you know, I get hit with something in the immediate. I'm getting, why God, when God, how God. I get into that song and dance. Amen? And I bellyache and cry. And I moan and I groan like a dog that's been bitten is underneath the house. Some of you know what I'm talking about. They get underneath the house and you can't get them out. And they're just moaning and bellering and stuff like that, like something's, you know, it's the end of the world. Well, you know, that happens to me. You know, you get hit with some things. You get hit with uh, something that just knocks the wind out of you. It's, it's difficult to rally. But here he has the nerve to tell us to count it all joy. That doesn't mean it is joy. That doesn't mean it is joy to get boxed in the chops and, you know, and hit and slandered and lied about and 
misrepresented and misunderstood and cussed at and fussed at. And Come on now. Some of you act like you know what I'm talking about here. It's not fun, is it? But you've got to count it. You've got to count it. That means that your idea of it is different than the world's idea of it. That you know what's behind it. And you know why it's showing up. <coughs> okay. Notice this. We all know this story about Jesus and the woman at the well in Samaria. And it says in verse number seven, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For the disciples had gone away unto the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, Come and drink. Come and drink. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Amen. So this is that water that Isaiah is talking about in Isaiah 55. Come and drink. Amen. The woman said to him, sir, you don't have anything to draw with. And the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, notice this. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him yes. will never be thirsty again. Yep. Will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Amen. So here we're introduced to the water of salvation in the sense that when we receive Christ and we take in his water, praise God, we partake of the message of the gospel, which is the water. It creates in us a well Amen? Amen? That is springs up. There's a natural spring Amen. tied to the throne of God. You know, the psalmist said, there is a river that proceeds from the throne of God. That river seeks to get into the earth realm. How does that river come into the earth realm? It doesn't come through the natural soil and, and, and topography of this world. It comes through the hearts of men and women who make Jesus their Lord. And that river, that river of life, 
that river of eternal, everlasting life comes through from the throne of God and finds itself a well is dug so that the source of that water can come up and begin to affect the inner character, the inner nature, the inner abilities of the person who has made Jesus their Lord. Amen. Everlasting life is not living forever. Everlasting life is quality of life. So you have a well that is filled with the substance of eternal life that's on the inside of you. Hello. Now, I've taught you in Bible school about uh, spiritual real estate. Okay? The people of the Old Testament and even people today believe that there are segments of our topography, our, our earth, that are sacred places. Remember Moses, when he came to that burning bush, what did God say? Take off your feet. Take off, not take off your feet. Take off your shoes. That would not be good. Hopefully it's time. Get a knife out. No. Take off your shoes. For you're standing on what? Holy ground. Remember Naaman? He came to Elisha and received, you know, healing from leprosy. When he came back to give his thanks, he asked Elisha for something. Does anybody know what that is? Dirt. He said, I want some dirt because I recognize that Yahweh, this is his territory. I'm going to a place that's not his territory. And he says, this God that healed me, I believe in. So I'm going to take this. And when I go to the temple of Dagon, I'm going to put this dirt down and I'm going to kneel on it so that I can give worship to Yahweh. Do you you understand what I'm saying? Okay. When it comes to you, you're made of dirt. Did you know that? God chose you to bury himself in. Therefore, you're sacred ground. Isn't that what the Bible teaches? It says you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. In him we live and move and have our being. Paul said, we have treasure in earth and vessels. Praise God. God has buried himself in your soil. Therefore, your soil is holy ground. That's the reason why symptoms got to go. That's the reason why oppression has to leave. Why? Because there's a well of living water living on the inside of you, connected to the throne of almighty God. 
Amen. Are you with me? There's people say, well, I just feel powerless. I just feel so helpless. You know, when this stuff comes, you know, I just feel like I don't have anything and stuff like that. Well, you got a river that comes in from heaven and you've got a well. Come on now. I remember when cable first came out. I mean, remember those days. Boy, I'm telling my age now. I would go to my friend's house in Tulsa where they had Tulsa cables, what they called it. And Tulsa cable just opened up a whole new world. You know? Seemingly endless numbers of channels of absolutely nothing, but still, it was more than what I had. I had two, six, and eight, and 11. And if the president was on, your night was shot. And I remember it was during the housing boom of the 70s. Some of you weren't born there, born that time, but I was. I'm old. It's a housing boom of the 70s, and they'd put up these little, little signs, Tulsa Cable coming to this, you know, neighborhood. And I'd be so jealous. I'd go over to my friends, and they had Batman, you know, 1966 Batman. I love that. I couldn't watch Batman on mine. I had Mr. Rogers and that guy that painted. (laughs) Hello. And so I'd go over there and we'd watch Batman and Deputy Dog and Scooby-Doo all day and all this stuff and all this wonderful plethora, this cornucopia, this horn of plenty of, of television. And then I'd go back and I'd have to mess with my, you know, they had a nice big old box. It used to be about that big, almost as big as that, that the keyboard up there, you know, that you'd, you know, you'd have to click this and hit over here. Come on. How many know what I'm talking about? Oh, and so I'd go back to my situation and it just wasn't good. Just wasn't good at all. I would go through a depression because I couldn't see the shows that I saw when I was over at my friend's house. And I would see those signs. I said, oh my goodness, I wish Tulsa Cable would come into my neighborhood. And I lived way out in Terrellton, America, and you know, off B Night Road and Tulsa Cable was not coming out there at all, okay? All right? But what am I saying is, is how do they get Tulsa Cable? Well, they had these big, huge satellites back in those days, and they would run wires to several different hubs around the city of Tulsa. And these hubs would spider out, and they would go off, and this, this, this uh, liquid love would come through, you know, <laughs> and would feed everybody's television. But I'm here to tell you that there's a throne that is connecting directly with you. If you're born again here today, you don't need Tulsa Cable. You've got everything you need. You've got life-giving power on the inside of you. Anything that you need, the wisdom of God. The health of God. 
the power of God, the protection of God, it all flows through you and your well. Amen. Now look over at the seventh chapter, the seventh chapter of the Gospel of John. In verse number 37, it isn't just a well, it isn't just a cistern bubbling up to everlasting life. He doesn't want just that. He wants what's on the inside of you to come on the outside. Amen? Amen. See, there's a lot of people that have what God has done on the inside, the inner working, but there's no evidence of an outward working. And there needs to be an outward working on the inside. Amen? Okay. Now, notice what Jesus said. He said, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, there's that word again. If anyone thirsts, see, you have to make a decision. Am I thirsty? Am I thirsty? You've got to, even in your walk with the Lord, you can go through dry and barren times. And you've got to make a decision and submit yourself and say, I am thirsty. I need to place a demand on what God has put on the inside of me. And repent of my pride and self-sufficiency. And repent of buying bread (coughs) that does not nourish me and partaking of things that do not satisfy me. It's all about knowing where the true source is. The enemy wants to distract you and get you looking at other things, saying that this will fill you, this will satisfy you. How many realize, and it's mostly older people that will nod their head and say, yes, younger people don't see this as much. I didn't when I was young. I constantly thought if I could attain something and get something, uh, somehow I would be satisfied, somehow I would be just placated and everything would be fine. And then I get there and it's not what I thought it was. In fact, it opened a whole new area of problems because that's the world we live in. There's always a carrot dangling on a stick There's always the hamster wheel of this world. And you can ruin yourself and rob yourself and diminish yourself on that wheel all you want to. You can eat things that will not satisfy you. You can drink things that will never quench your thirst. They taste good. They taste real good. In fact, they give you pleasure for a season but you just can't get the satisfaction. You can't get peace. You can't get joy. How many know what I'm talking about? You can save and save and save for that house, get that house, and then all of a sudden not be satisfied with it. You can pursue that promotion and pursue success in this world And get it and then wonder what in the world were you doing the entire time trying to get this. Amen. I'm here to tell you, friends, 
the top level of success for your life is Jesus Christ living and abiding in your heart. It don't get any bigger or better than that. But most people aren't tapping into the potential that's on the inside of them. They're just not tapping into it. They don't know that it's even there. Some people are just waiting for heaven. They're just waiting for the bus to come and take them to heaven. And that's what they're, oh, in the sweet by and by, it'll be this. And the, No, Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly right now. Eternal life isn't about the future. Eternal life is in the here and now. See, he said it'll be a well springing up in him to everlasting life. So he basically says the quality of life is already there. Resurrection life that will resuscitate and bring back to life dead things that have been dormant or killed by the enemy, he can cause them to come back to life on the inside of you. Dreams that have long since been sacrificed can now live again because of the abundant life that's on the inside of you. Relationships can be restored. Things can be totally on a whole nother level now. Why? Because you have divine life on the inside of you. You're hooked up to Tulsa Cable. You can project anything and watch anything that you want to. Do you understand what I'm saying? So Jesus says, if anyone's thirsty, you've got to, you got to admit, I'm thirsty. And there's people that will not admit they're thirsty. Well, I've heard about that in the word of God, but I don't know if I believe it. Well, that's someone that's sitting there before a glass of water and says, I ain't taking no drink of that. I ain't taking no drink of that. He says, let him come to me. Notice that. There has to be a decision. You know, he doesn't say, let him just stand where he's at. <laughs> Sitting on the couch like this. <laughs> Prove it. Prove it, Lord. <laughs> Hello. There's a lot of believers. I see this by the Spirit. There's a lot of believers sitting, waiting for the Lord to move. And he's waiting on you. He's waiting on you. Prove it, God. You said this, I'm going to just sit here until you make it happen. Prove it. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. You'll never get anywhere. You'll never make it. Amen? Come on. He said, come to me and drink. Whosoever believes in me. Now notice that the drinking is in believing. 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 I'm saying this multiple times to get it through your thick skull. That if you're going to drink of the things of the spirit of God, there has to be belief. You got to believe it. Notice what he says. Whosoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, it's always going to be based on the scripture, guys. 
Out of his heart or out of his belly, the King James says, out of his innermost being, will flow rivers of living water. Amen. So now we went from a well springing up into everlasting life. Now we've got rivers, not just a river, but rivers. Now this goes back to Genesis chapter 2, verse number 20, where it talks about a river that came from the Garden of Eden and split off into four rivers. So basically, the Garden of Eden is a type of the human heart. It's a type of the source of God coming in and nourishing an entire land. Notice that's the desire that God has for you. You're his sacred territory. In fact, the Bible says in the third chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians, it says this, you are God's garden. You are God's cultivated field. That means you're his dirt. And your dirt is better than any other dirt out there. Because God has chosen your dirt to put himself on the inside. And not only put himself on the inside, but wants to finger himself out in rivers of living water. He wants to reach out with rivers of living water. Hallelujah. The holy of holies, the Shekinah glory of God dwells on the inside of you. And now he wants to bring himself out and bring himself forth with living life emanating from your very being. Amen? And we certainly can see that this is the born-again experience in the fourth chapter of the Gospel of John, and we can see that this is the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the seventh chapter. But how do I get that power to operate in my life when things are bad. Because it's real easy to have an arise service in which the pipes are flowing, if you know what I mean. And there's absolutely no blockage, no impedance, no problem. And see, we, we're raising a bunch of believers that are event-based believers. They feel they have to go to a service in which praise and worship's a certain way and the preaching's a certain way so that I can tap into what I have on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And so we have entire groups of believers that never tap in to the power and the anointing of God that they carry with them and in them, they have to have a service. They have to have a message. They have to have their favorite praise and worship. It has to be all set up right. But when you get smacked in the face, when your breath is taken out from you, being pummeled by life and some report, evil report that comes against you. Listen, you're not going to be able to reach for that Maverick City CD. 
You ain't going to be able to go find a meeting to try to help yourself. You're going to have to learn like Paul and Silas learned when they were locked up in the innermost prison. They learned how to tap in to the wells of salvation and the river of God. And you can learn how to. I know for a fact, because the Lord has told me this, there are people in this congregation this morning and those that are watching online, they're walking through life, going about their business, doing their day-to-day, and going through their routine. And on the outside, it seems as if nothing is going on. But inside, they feel that they are bound They feel that they are restricted. They are in a rut. They don't know what tomorrow's going to bring, and they have no hope for it. They're bound by offense. They've got a thin skin. They're angry all the time. They're critical in their spirit and they're agitated, angry, argumentative, cannot listen, will not listen. Come on, some of you are avoiding eye contact with me. I know who you are. (laughs) Have you ever felt bound? Bound on the inside? If someone looked on the outside, they'd think, oh, nothing's wrong with you. You're, you're, got, seem like you've got it all together. But on the inside, you're actually, just feel like there's just, just uh, chains that are just wrapped around. And although you can move your physical arms, your spiritual arms are just tied. You don't feel like there's anything you can do about it. I guarantee you, because I know what the Lord has shown me and I know what I've went through over this past season. And I can tell you this, what I've went through, you're going through. And what my prevailing thought in this past season was, I'm stuck. How many said that? I'm stuck. It doesn't seem like anything's getting better. I guess this is the way it's going to be. I'm going to continue to take this medicine. I'm going to continue to do this routine. I'm going to continue to have what I've always had. Not realizing that the power to break that is not outside of you. Because that's the, that's the ruse of the enemy is to get you to think that, well, God, you have to send a request, you know, to God like you do to the government. And then they have to report back to you to see whether or not he's going to do it or not. And generally, when you get something back from heaven in your mind, it's access denied. 
I'm speaking the truth to you. See, God's not up there making decisions about your life. Did you know that? He's not up there saying, okay, what am I going to do with Rhonda today? I've got to fill out my agenda and figure out this. No, he wrote out your stuff before. So you've got to understand that. God's not in a reactive position. He's not in a reactive position with you. He's not sitting there going, oh, my God, look what Steve did. Goodness gracious. Oh, I don't know what I was thinking when I made him. You know? No, he knew exactly why he made you. And he wrote all your days beforehand. So God is always the proactive position. He's already declared the end from the beginning. See, when you learn to rest in that, when you learn to rest in that, it'll empower your life. But if you think everything's accidental, it's not. Hello. I know people that think they've had accidents that have impaired their entire life. They've never recovered. But when you realize that God always has a solution in his book, Oh, my gosh. Are you awake out there? When you know that he has other ways of getting you to where he wants you to be, then that means there's no failure. There's no... That can keep you from what he wants. The Apostle Paul said this in the 8th chapter of Romans. He said, I tell you what, there's neither death nor life. that can separate me from the love of God. God's love, God's desire for us, amen? Okay, all right, you want to see how to get a hold of this? Let's go to the 12th chapter of Isaiah, back to Isaiah. Praise God. Yeah, I'll tell you what, condemnation loses its grip. Shame packs its bags and leaves. And guilt gets on the next train out of town when you realize your God has put everything in you that you need to overcome. Notice this. Now I want, before I read this, before we get into this and we're gonna worship the Lord a little bit, I want to remind you of a story in the 26th chapter of the book of Genesis. Now go there with me in your mind. You don't have to turn there, but just go with me in your mind. Isaac is in a famine, an absolute and utter drought, living in a land that is not kind, harsh. So he's fixing to pack up and go to Egypt where they've got grain. He goes to the land of Gerar and God stops him. He says, don't go down to Egypt. Well, I'm in Gerar, I wasn't going. You know, God knows where you're going, even when you don't know. He says, I want you to stay in this land and I want you to sow into this land. So in order to sow in this land, he had to go back out and redig the wells that his father Abraham had dug. 
The Philistines, which are considered the enemies of God, the enemies of the covenant of God, had filled them with rock and debris and junk. See, he's in a barren land. He's in a land that's offering. There's nothing, guys, listen to this. There's nothing coming down from the sky that's gonna satisfy him. And I'm here to tell you, you need to stop looking at the sky. Stop looking outside of yourself and start looking and digging deep. Oh, you didn't get that. See, you gotta start digging deep. Stop looking up a why God, how I don't understand and start digging deep. Because the well's on the inside of you and the enemy has chosen to block it up, throw debris in it, throw dust and ashes in it, throw rocks in it because he wants to stifle what God wants to release in your life. And he'll get you offended with somebody. He'll get you offended with life. He'll get you so bogged down in worry and anxiety and fear. He'll get you to where relationships aren't working right anymore and it just bogs you down. And this superpower that's on the inside of you has now been capped. But it says this in the 26th chapter, Isaac re dug and unplugged the wells. Isaac unplugged the wells. Now God, he uses words in a way that we can never imagine. He created the alphabet and he knows how to use it. The word Isaac means laughter. So we could translate this verse, laughter unplugged the wells. Let me say that again, laughter unplugged the wells. I'm here, I saw something scurry over here. I think people are getting free, amen? Laughter unplugged, did you see that? Laughter unplugged the wells. So that means this, count it all joy. Yeah, but you don't know what they said. You don't know what they did. You don't know what's happened to me. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Oh, you can stay there all you want. God will give you all permission to stay in that funk. Stay in your pity party. Stay in your bad attitude. Just sit there. Stay there. Now, does that mean that I have to have a service in which someone lays hands on me and I laugh? No, that's not what it means at all. What it means is, is that there's joy in that well. And that joy has to be activated. You can't, it's just not going to... 
You know, I've got joy down in my heart. I've got my Johnny Cash voice on it now. Hello. I've got joy, joy, joy down in my heart. Well, that ain't gonna do you no good down in your heart. Ain't gonna do you no good. No more than water would do you any good at the bottom of a well when you're thirsty at the top of it. And at midnight, Paul and Silas, they prayed, but then they tapped into the wells and they sang praises. There's not any situation that you can find yourself that the praises of God cannot lift you out of. And you know, you may not be physically out of that situation after you praise the Lord, but spiritually you'll be elevated far above it. And what happens in the realm of the spirit always hinders and always, not hinders, but always happens in the physical as well. What happens in the spiritual will have ramifications in the physical realm. You've got to make a decision. Okay. All right. Now going back to the story, notice this verse three of chapter 12 of the gospel of, I call it the gospel of Isaiah because it's really a gospel. Amen. He says, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Notice it does not say with depression, with pity, with criticism, with anger, with joy. Well, I don't feel very joyful. Well, joy is not a feeling. Happiness is a feeling. Joy is a fruit. Oh, you're not good. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Remember, Jesus said this. He says, I give you my joy. My joy I give to you. Not as the world gives. I give to you. You want to know why? Because the world can't give you joy. The world can give you happiness, but like I said, it'll only be for a season. But joy is eternal. It's a part of the fruit of the spirit. It resides in your well in that stream of everlasting life. Those rivers that flow out of you are filled with joy. But you've got to first acknowledge you've already acquired it. It's yours. He said, my joy I give to you. Oh, my joy I give to you. My joy I give to you. My joy I give to you. And that's one, one thing that we need to understand is that if he gave it to us, the world can't take it away from us. Because anything that he gives, the devil can't take. Oh, we can suspend it. We can, you know, put it on the shelf. We can bury it. We can allow the residue of life to fill our wells, but can't take it from us. We're never gonna be without it. It's, it's there. Are you with me? With joy. 
Hello. I remember a time in which we had situations that were just overbearing. I mean, it just was horrible, you know. And uh, the Lord will always say this to me. When I get into that funk, you know, and I'm crying and, and I'm whining to him, Lord, why'd this happen? You know, I go to church every time the doors open and I give and, you know, and, I, and I've helped people and why is this? And that's never the basis. That is never the basis for God to work in your life. Never. Your works mean nothing. There is filthy rags. And if you're using that to barter to get something from the Lord, you're on the wrong basis whatsoever. Because your acceptance by him and his love towards you is based upon one thing and one thing only, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ spilt on your behalf. He expects you to use the stuff he gave you. Now he'll encourage you, but the older and more mature you get, he's just gonna sit there and say, just like a, a child walking, you know, when they're first walking, you know, you're right there over them, you know, you're making sure they don't get hurt. But you know, 33 year old man, you're not over there going, <laughs> hello. You expect them to walk and to not have any trouble doing it. And when they fall, you're not there to, you know, just sit there and keep them on the ground until they're secured. You tell them, get up. And there's people that God, that, that, that the devil has just hit right in the gut. You're bowed over. Your spiritual position right now is you're bowed over. You're bowed over and you're on the ground gasping for air. And you're thinking that God is not listening to you. You're thinking that God is not there. You're thinking that the heavens are brass. And all he's saying is, son, get up. All he's saying is, son, get up. We don't understand what a real father's like. It's obvious in this culture, we don't understand what a real father's like. And in fact, the actions of fathers are misinterpreted as being abusive. And even sometimes we'll even think that the Lord is abusive to us because we don't get what we want when we want it. And when it seems like he does not act the way we want him to act or move the way we want him to move, we think it's abuse. You blamed your daddy for some of that stuff too. When he didn't show up at the jail when you was in there and bail you out, you said that was abusive. No, he was teaching you the right way. If you, oh, oh, you people don't understand this stuff. How is that helping you, bailing you out of the mess immediately? Where you can't get in and realize, man, I, I, maybe, maybe I made some mistakes. Maybe, maybe I need to adjust myself. Hello. Oh, I've got some scriptures I could slam on you right now. Oh, but notice. And we're gonna we're gonna worship here just for a minute, all right? Because we need to get those wells unplugged. Amen. With joy. Notice what it says. And you will say in that day, with joy, 
Will you draw waters from the wells of salvation? And you will say, okay? Now notice that. If you're gonna unplug the wells and access the wells, it's going to involve your voice. Yes. It's going to involve your voice. When you start getting silent with the things of God, your wells are being plugged. When you're getting silent, when you're, you know, you're getting beat up so bad that you're keeping your mouth shut and you're not resisting the devil, your, your, your wells are getting plugged up. He, he's just like the Philistines. They're plugging them up. You just sit there and meditate on that wrongdoing and on that guilt and shame and on that offense. And you just sit there. And all the while, they're just plugging the solution. There ain't going to be no cable coming to your house. Amen. But when you open your mouth, and it's not why, and it's not how, and it's not when. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. They opened their mouth. I'm sure they didn't understand. God told them to go to Philippi. I'm sure they un didn't understand why they're in prison. If God told me to do this, why am I in prison? Some of you, God told you to do something. And you're sitting in a place that feels like a prison right now. But it says they prayed and they sang praises unto God. And they didn't just go, it says, and the prisoners heard them. And then what happened? God sang bass and he shook the whole place down. Now what they had physically, we can have spiritually and physically too. But spiritually, you can shake the circumstances in your life. You can shake the cell you're in. You can not only cause the doors to be open to your dilemma, but can open doors for others as well. If you'll learn to tap in to the wells of salvation, they are always tapped into by the confession of your mouth and the worship and praise of your tongue. If you'll get into that, some of you don't feel it. I, I, I sense this by the Spirit of the Lord. There are people saying, you know, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that at all. And there's been times I didn't want to do it either. I mean, there was times in my life where I just said, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't feel like that. What does that have to do with what I'm in? It has everything. See, it's not intuitive to our flesh. And that should give you a sign as to whether or not it's actually, uh, it, uh, it will actually work because it's not fleshly. Yes. Your flesh doesn't want to do it. Your flesh wants to gripe, moan, and complain, and get pitiful. That's what your flesh wants to do. 
but we're not to live by our flesh or to live by the spirit. And if you're gonna access the spirit and walk in the spirit, then you need to act as a spirit creation, as a new creation. A new creation knows that if I can get praise out of my mouth, even in the worst of times, it will change my situation because it elevates God. It doesn't elevate me, it elevates God. And when God is elevated, I can't help but go with him. Amen. Oh, you didn't get that. When, when God gets elevated, I can't help but go with him because we're seated in the same place. And the reason why I can have praise in my mouth is because I am seated above my situation. I'm seated above my circumstance. I'm seated outside of my prison. I'm seated with the most high. I'm seated with God. Amen. I'm at the right hand of God. Now notice, he says, you'll say this. Now notice what it says. Give thanks to the Lord. So giving of thanks. You want to unplug those wells of salvation? You want them to get them blown? Start giving thanks. Well, I don't feel like giving thanks. Ain't nothing good ever happened to me. Well, you've got breath in your lungs right now. Give thanks for that. Give thanks that your butt's in a nice comfortable seat right now. Give thanks that you didn't die when you came here in your car. Give thanks that you woke up this morning. Amen. Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. You know, there's been many times that I've sat in situations and I've, I've, I've been so overwhelmed. I just call out Jesus. Je that's all I can say is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered, the Bible says. Amen. Make known his deeds among the people. Amen? You, sometimes you need to remind yourself of all the good things that God's done. You want those wells flowing? You start saying, you know, I thank God that in October of 1989, you came into my life and I was born again. Hello. I'm so grateful that I got filled with the Holy Spirit and I speak with other tongues. I'm so grateful that you healed my body multiple times. Not that I even knew about, you, you healed me. I'm so glad you protected my kids and gave them health. I'm so glad you gave me a beautiful wife. I'm so glad you gave me a beautiful life. I'm so glad, come on now. This is how you unplug them. This is how you get them flowing. You know, it requires humility to do this. It requires submission. It requires obedience to God. It requires a willingness. This isn't just going to happen. These aren't just buzzwords and incantations to get you out of something. This flows out of your heart. You're getting in tune with what's on the inside of you. And guess what? When you start doing this at first, you're not going to feel it because it's not a feeling. You know, you have to prime the pump. You know, if you're gonna get something to pump through, you gotta prime it. Well, I guess what? Sometimes you're gonna start in the flesh. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. I don't know why I'm doing this. Hallelujah. But you're priming that pump. I said, you're priming that pump. I said, you're priming that pump. You're gonna start in the flesh, but you're gonna end up in the spirit. 
Notice what it says. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy. O inhabitants of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's stand to our feet. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's sing that last song, I guess. Praise the Lord. Whatever song about that lion coming out, let's, let's do that one. Amen. Hallelujah. Hey, I'm not calling you up front because you got to learn how to do it in deceit. You got to learn how to do it in your house. You got to learn how to do it in your car. You got to learn how to do it. Amen. Don't so you get worship shy, the Lord. Only lift up your song. Hallelujah, Lord. You got a lion inside of your lungs. Thank you, Lord. Get up and praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, my Hallelujah, soul. Don't you get shy, only lift up your song.
back uh, back before the hallelujah back before the turn of the century a woman by the name of Lillian B. Yeomans who was a medical doctor got filled with the Holy Spirit she opened up a home in which she would take the most seriously infirmed people that were given up by medical doctors and she would teach them the word and teach them what I taught you here today. The, it was known as the praise cure. And how she uh, got a hold of the praise cure is she had um, a lady that was uh, dying of, of an ailment. And um, now I'm not saying that this is for everybody or is applicable to everybody because, you know, when it comes to the ministry that is directed towards you, there's a uniqueness to it. You know, God speaks certain things and he deals with certain things. Just because he dealt with me about something doesn't mean it's the same for you, even though we may have this, may, may be wrestling with the same condition. Do you understand that? But this lady was uh, still having some issues in her body and it just didn't seem like she was getting free of it. And a word of knowledge came to Lillian B. Yeomans and she saw a scale. And um, on one side of the scale was the issue, the problems, the symptoms. And the other side of the scale just had a few pieces on it, but it was praise and worship. And she came to the lady and she said, until your praise and worship outweighs the scale of your malady, he says, you know, you'll, you'll see breakthrough. And so this lady would take time every day and she would do exactly what you just did. And you know what? You don't need music. You don't need praise and worship. You don't need elevation. You don't need Hillsong. You don't need any of the others that are out there. You just need to open your mouth. You need to say, praise the Lord. And guess what? Here's the place that I believe the Lord prophetically wants to get you in. He wants you to sing songs from Him. Too much of our time is we're singing other people's songs. And that's wonderful. But those are pump primers. I said those are pump primers. It's when you begin to sing in the Spirit and sing in the understanding by the influence of the well on the inside of you that your praise and worship's gonna go to a whole nother level. There is a dimension of God that escapes most believers because they will not allow themselves to yield to the waters that flow within them. And if you'll learn to yield to those waters and begin to pray and begin to prophesy, you'll begin to praise God, you'll be interpreting your own prayers. God will speak to you and show you things as you're worshiping the Lord. He'll begin to unveil things to you that you never thought possible. But it's time for us to stop using pump primers and get into the full flow of what God wants to do. I'm glad for these songs, they're wonderful, but there's nothing greater than yielding myself up and singing praises to God in the spirit and in the understanding. It's as if I tap in to the very music of heaven 
and I sing what God is singing in my life. Did you know that the Bible says that he sings over you, that God sings over you? How would you like to tap in to that song? How would you like to hear the lyrics to that? How would you like to understand the chorus to that song? God singing over you. And he says he sings songs of deliverance. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm telling you, this is new creation life. This is how we're supposed to live. Jesus did this. Do you remember right before his passion, it says, and they sang a hymn. They sang. Well, I'm telling you, you've got to learn to sing. Well, I don't have a good singing voice. God doesn't care. Other people might. So you might want to be discretionary. But God doesn't. God doesn't. He wants to hear your voice because he made your voice and he wants to hear. Amen. Now we're going to have counselors up here. If you need to be born again, you need to rededicate, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit so you can sing in the Spirit. They're going to be right up here. If you need deliverance in your life, if you need healing in your body, they're right here. So don't leave without your needs met. Amen. Praise the Lord. Go forth in the power and victory that is in you in Christ Jesus. Amen. You're dismissed.